Excited to be with you guys tonight. Uh, for those of uh, you I haven't met, my name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Champion Forest. Um, I have the privilege of meeting a lot of you, uh, but I haven't, I don't think, had the privilege of introducing my wife to all of you. And unfortunately, she couldn't be here tonight, but she might be watching um, online. I just want to let you know that my wife is incredible, right? She is amazing, and not just because tomorrow's Valentine's Day, but she is absolutely amazing, and she's a lot of fun, and she's got a lot of energy, and she is an elementary school teacher, right? So she is with kids all the time, and she loves it, and she's good at it. And the, the best part about it for me is that she always has stories when she gets home about her kiddos. And so I won't use any names because they might be related to somebody in here. I'm not sure. Um, but, but she came home from school the other day just cracking up about an incident with one of her kiddos. She saw uh, one of the, the students, a fourth grade boy, uh, that was having a hard time with a fourth grade girl in the class. And they were just not getting along and there was some bickering going on back and forth. And I'm sure that you can imagine sort of what that's like. And, and she didn't want it to escalate, right? She just wanted to handle it. She wanted to deal with it. And so she did very lovingly. And she went and she sort of pulled the little boy aside and began to talk to him, to calm him down, to, to love on him a little bit and pour into him. And so they're talking and he's not He's, not, he's a fourth grade boy. He's not paying attention to her as, as they're talking. And so what she did was she got down on a knee and like right on his level and sort of locked in eyes with him. And she begins to talk and he looks at her for a second and they're talking. And then all of a sudden he turned his head away from her like that. And she's like, what's the deal? And then this kid in Chelsea's face holds his nose and like looks away from Chelsea. And then it clicked. And she was like, oh, wait a minute. And she looked at the kid and said, hey, do I have really bad coffee breath right now or something? Because she'd been drinking coffee. And the kid looked at her and was like, listen, I have no idea what that is, but it is awful. <clears throat> it is awful. And so she, uh, she put some gum in her mouth and went back to it. Uh, but, but that kid is honest, right? He didn't hold back. He, he just, this is it, right? He was completely honest. And kids are that way, right? Kids are honest, right? I've got three kids at home, seven, five, and two. They're honest. Even when I don't want them to be, they're honest. We bought Chelsea a Christmas present and walked right back to the car. My two-year-old said, Mom, we bought you this new dish set. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? What in the world, right? Kids are honest. I was pitching outside my, uh, one of my son's baseball teams, and I, I was struggling a little bit to get it over the plate. And the kid that I was throwing to was like, Coach, you are terrible at this tonight. And so I hit him with the next pitch. Um, no, not really. But he was right, right? Kid, kids are honest. They're honest. And a lot of the times, I, I don't want to hear it, but a lot of times they're right. And it's good for me to hear it. All right, it's good for me to hear it. It makes me evaluate and look and think about what's going on. And, and I, I think that that's probably true of all of us. It's good when people are honest with us, when people speak into our life. And, and I'll just be... I'll be honest with you, since we're talking about honesty real quick. Uh, a lot of times adults aren't as good at being honest as kids are. Right? Maybe a lot of times we tiptoe around issues. Maybe a lot of times we, we don't like people to be honest with us, but, but it's good for us. And, and we should be honest with one another. If, if I see something or somebody sees something to me, listen, the easy thing to do is to ignore it. Right? The easy thing to do is to walk away, is to not say anything about it. But the right thing to do more often than not is to speak up and to be honest and to be loving and to be truthful when things are going on in each other's lives. Easier to look away, but it's not right. Jesus 
doesn't look away, and he wouldn't want us to look away either. If you've got a Bible, open up with me to Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the church in Sardis. Just six verses here, and, and in this we see Jesus, he, from a position of love, we can't forget that as we read this passage, from a position of love for this church and for the believers in this church, we see Jesus get honest with the church with what's going on there. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. It'll be on the screens as I read it here. Bible's God's Word says this. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, for you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Honest, right? Listen to that. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds to be unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast to it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis, a few people in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, God. And Lord, I pray that as we read, as we study your word, as we study the letter to this church here, God, I, Lord, I just pray that, that you would help us to, to see and to know and to understand the word that you have for, for our church here today, God, how we should respond to the truth that we read tonight, Father. God, we love you. <clears throat> we trust you. We are thankful for you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this letter to another church, right? The church in Sardis. A couple things about the city real quick. We won't dive into to too many different things, but it was a comfortable city, okay? It was, it was a wealthy city. Um, it, it was a peaceful city at this time. Um, and and for, for this church specifically, we, we don't have any record of any pressures on the church to, to cause them to turn away from Christ. Okay, what I mean is there's no persecution going on around the people of Sardis that would cause their hearts to grow cold. And we don't have any record of a false teacher in the church giving them wrong information and leading them away from Christ, right? With this church, for all accounts, all that we know is, is a comfortable church that honestly, we got lazy, took their eye off the ball, and allowed their hearts to slowly over time get cold. So we want to pull three things out of scripture tonight. And, and the first is this, as we look at the church in Sardis, it's a reminder of something that I hope and I pray that we all know. And it's this, Jesus knows our hearts, right? Jesus knows our hearts. Look at verse one. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You've got this reputation to everyone else of being alive, but you are dead. He knows the truth, right? He knows our hearts. I want to address this because it's here and, and some of us might be wondering. We see the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. 
Quick refresher for us on that, the seven spirits of God. Uh, a good way for us to think about that is just Jesus speaking here with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right? He's speaking from God with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the seven stars. It's just symbolic of Jesus being in full control of, of these churches, of this church, and honestly of every church, our church included, right? That Jesus is in full control. So he's speaking here from a position of authority. He's speaking here from a position of power. And he is speaking here as the one that knows our hearts, right? The hearts of this church, my heart, and the hearts of the church that we're looking at here in Scripture. And the church in Sardis needs to remember that, that as the one that, that knows our hearts, Jesus can't be fooled, right? He can't be deceived. He can't be tricked. And, and what I mean is this. Sometimes it's easy to look good on the outside and to be rotten on the inside, right? It's easy to, be, to look good on the outside, to put up a mask and put up a front and to be rotten on the inside. It, it's easy, I think, sometimes to put on a show for people, Right, and keep them at arm's length so they see into our life, they see us from a distance, and they think, man, they've got it together. They think, man, they're, they're doing the right thing, they're doing good, they're walking with Christ, they're living from the Lord, and we can keep people far enough away to where they really can't see what's going on in our hearts. Right? We see that throughout Scripture. Think about Jesus when, when he's walking on earth. He dealt with a group of people like that. They looked really good on the outside. They did a lot of the right things. That They prayed in public. They gave in public. They did a lot of things that would have made a lot of people think, okay, they're, they're holy. They're doing good. They're walking with the Lord. They're doing the right things. They were called Pharisees. You remember what Jesus said about them? He called them whitewashed tombs. Right? He said they look good on the inside, but what's inside of a tomb? Bones. Right? Bones. No life. Right? We see that. All throughout scripture. Jesus can't be deceived. So as we look at this text, there, there's a couple of things that we should be looking at when we look at Jesus saying, listen, I know the deeds and I know the heart and things just aren't lining up the way that they're supposed to line up. Let's drill down on this specific church and then bring it forward to our church. It says they have a reputation of what? Of being what? Alive. The reputation is good. The reputation is one of life. Now, it could be a past reputation, right, that, that has carried over to today, or it could be an active reputation of them sort of at that time. And a little bit of research will tell you that one of the reasons why they have that good reputation is because they were busy. They were active. They were doing a lot of, of good things, or they were doing a lot of things. And so people were able to look into that church and say, well, they're active. They're doing stuff. They're not just sitting around. So there, there's got to be life there. They've got to be doing the right thing, right? Here's the deal. Activity does not equal life. Activity does not equal spiritual intimacy or spiritual health. And listen, it's easy for people on the outside to be fooled by activity on the inside of a church or of a person. But as we see here in God's word that, that Jesus knows our hearts, activity is not going to fool him. It's not going to trick him. Just this is a uh, just a fun activity. How many events activities do you think CFPC has in the month of February? Like actual on the church calendar, like activities or things going on in February. I looked today, so I know the answer. Nanette texted me about thirty minutes ago. She was counting all day. <clears throat> February nine hundred and ninety-five. 
995. Did anybody guess 1,000? Because you were really close if you did. Listen, 995. And here's the deal. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that all our activities make us dead. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying this. Our activities aren't what make us alive. Okay? Our activities aren't what make us alive. It's our pursuit of Jesus that makes us alive, right? It's walking closely with him that makes us alive. It's loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength that makes us alive. And we talked about that little kid being honest, so let's just be honest with each other a little bit. Sometimes it's easy for us maybe to, to feel like this church was. Sometimes it, it, it can be easy for us to feel spiritually like we're just not there, like spiritually like we're dead, spiritually like we're, we're just not connected to life and a lot of times when that happens in people and we have conversations like this often as pastors as we're talking with people listen a lot of times it's easy when people feel like that for them to never tell anyone but to instead just do more things for to instead allow other other people within the church to see other things that they're doing instead of being honest with other people there's this this desire to look good in front of other people there's this desire to sort of put up a this front to let people think, okay, they've got it together, they know what's going on, that they're doing the right things and they're feeling good, instead of being honest and inviting people in to our lives. Because I'll, I'll just be honest, a lot of times it's messy when we let people in. A lot of times it's hard when we let people in, but, but I just want to let you know that, that letting people in and honestly letting people know what, what's going on in our hearts and in our lives is what brings about change. Right, when we invite other believers, when we invite other Christians into our life right, to speak truth into us, to help us, to nurture us, to heal us. This group, this room right here, our life group classes, our service, wherever you're plugged in at Champion Force should be the safest place in your world to be honest with other people about what's going on in our hearts. Right? We should love each other enough, care about each other enough to be honest and to walk with each other through hard times to bring that life into our hearts. Listen, we see right here, God knows our hearts. He knew the reality of the hearts of the church in Sardis. He knows the reality of the hearts of the church right here at Champion Forest, right? In Scripture, in Sardis, their church, this church in, in Sardis, in Revelation chapter 3, he calls dead because their loyalty was to busyness, it was to activity, it was to what they wanted, and it wasn't to pursuing Christ the way that they're supposed to. And we see also in scripture that the church that loses its loyalty, the church that takes its eye off the ball, the church that's no longer focused on its first love is no longer alive. In fact, Jesus calls it dead. The church that's focused on the wrong things isn't alive. The church that loses sight of what matters isn't alive. The church that doesn't love God with all its heart, soul, mind, and strength isn't alive. The church that doesn't love its neighbor as itself, right? The church that isn't sharing the gospel, the church that isn't pointing to Jesus isn't a church that's full of life. Pastor David said it this past Sunday, if you were here, he said a church that has a great, com uh, great commitment to the great commandments and the great commission is going to be a great church, right? A church that's focused not on a bunch of, uh, of other things, but a church that's focused on pursuing Christ with all that we have and doing exactly what he has called us to do. Just like Sardis was a church, Champion Forest is a church, right? And the, the truth that we read in God's word, it applies to us 
as well, right? We've got to make sure that we are focused on exactly what Christ has called us to focus on. Look back at verse 1, right? You'll see it. I think that we've only gotten to verse 1, but look back at verse 1, right? Hopefully you're still on it. He says this, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're not. You are dead, right? That church there was made up of individual people, right, that came together to make up the church. So as goes the people of the church, so goes the church, right? So Jesus speaks honestly with that church to let them see where their heart is, to let them know he knows where their heart is. And here's the deal. Jesus didn't just know where their heart was. Jesus spoke truth into their lives. He spoke truth into that church. Look down at verse 2. He continues and says this, wake up, right? You're not alive. You're dead. And what's he say? He didn't say stay dead. He says wake up. Right, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard, hold fast and repent, but if you do not wake up, I'm coming like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Listen, he knows the heart of the church and he says something about it. Right, that little kid got in Chelsea's face, he knew the breath wasn't right, and he knew there was a little coffee on it, and he spoke up. Right, he said something. Here Jesus sees what's wrong, he sees there's a problem in the church, he sees the hearts are dead, and, and he doesn't let, he doesn't let the church go off and die. He doesn't write the church off, he speaks up into the church. Listen, that's love. Right, that's love. His love is honest for his church. That honest statement could be read like a declaration of Jesus' love for the church. He doesn't let it continue. He doesn't write them off. He doesn't give up on them. In fact, he gives instructions. He gives commands found right here in those two verses that hopefully will spring them back to life. It's not his desire. It's not his intention for that church to stay dead or to remain in its current state. Jesus knew there was something better for them. He knew there was something more for them, and he invites them into it, right? Jesus, he doesn't just know our hearts. Jesus speaks to our hearts. Here there's five commands as he speaks to their heart and their current reality to confront their current reality and hopefully bring life back into the church. Command one is this. It's simple. It's wake up. We're actually about halfway through the sermon, so turn to the person next to you and just wake them up if anybody is, is nodding off. Everybody Good. Everybody's awake? Jesus says, wake up. Wake up. Could be translated as be alert. Be ready. Be watching. Right? This, this city, Sardis, it had been overrun at least twice. It was a really easy city historically to defend. I'm told. I haven't been there, but reading about it, it's apparently it's a really easy city to defend. There's one way in and one way out. So if you were going to defend that city, where would you put people? At the one way in. Both times, historically, it was overrun. The guards fell asleep. The guards weren't paying attention. And the city gets overrun. This call to wake up, this call to be alert, would have gotten the, the attention, the minds, and the hearts of the people in this church, reminding them, helping them to understand the gravity of their situation, helping them to, to take a look around to see what's really going on in their lives and in their church, he was trying to wake them up to let them know that they had gotten lazy in their pursuit of him. That they had shifted their eyes away from where that needed to be. Listen, sometimes it's easy for us to be blissfully unaware, right? Sort of walking along, hoping things are good, thinking things are good, sort of our head down, sort of doing our thing and not realizing the trouble that might be going on all around us. Jesus is saying, wake up. 
He's saying you need to look around and be aware of what's going on in the church there. You need to be aware of the sin that has crept into the church. You need to be aware of the sin that might have been crept into the lives of other people. You need to be aware of what's going on. You need to be aware of things that are taking your focus off of your relationship with Christ. You need to be aware of things that are causing you to not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's saying wake up. Be aware of what's going on in that church. And that applies to us as well. Right? We've got to be aware of what's going on. We've got to be in tune with all that God is doing around us. We've got to be in tune with what's going on in our hearts and in our lives and in our church as well. So, so where are we? Right? Where are we as individuals? What's God doing in our hearts? I want to slow down here right? and just give us a time, a chance to, to wake up a little bit, to get real, maybe to be honest. That's a word I've used several times tonight, to be honest with ourselves for a moment about where we're at. Right? The command here that, that Jesus gives this church is to wake up. So let's just make sure we're awake. Let's make sure we're aware of, of our own hearts, of our own lives, of our own families, and what's going on. How do we do that? We'll just slow down. And let's just think for a minute. I mean, you've got your, the, the listening guide they gave you when you came in. Just think for a second. Maybe, maybe jot some things down. Answer some questions. What are the things that are the most important to you right now? What do you spend the majority of your time doing? When you're just sitting there and you've got a quiet moment, where does your mind drift off to? What tends to dominate your conversations? The things that get you really excited when you're talking with family or with friends. Just questions to, to maybe help us wake up. To think about our hearts. To think about what's important to us. When was the last time we shared the gospel with someone? Maybe not just invited them to church, but actually said, hey, listen, Jesus Christ changed my life. I was dead. I was separated from God. Look at what he did in my life. Let me tell you about that and how he can do that in your life as well. And just think about our lives. Think, think, think about the, our, our individual. This isn't something to do with somebody else. Just think about our lives. What kind of media do we consume? What do we watch on TV? Our movies, our music, the things that we fill our mind with on a regular basis? How do we spend our dollars? How often do we lock into the word of God? Right When Jesus is speaking to that church and, and calling them to wake up, he's calling them to evaluate what's going on. He's calling them to take inventory of their lives and, and hopefully right, to, to wake them up, to let them be alert, to let them be aware of what's going on. He said they look like they're alive, but what were they? They were dead. A lot of them might have thought they were alive. It had to be pointed out to them that they weren't. I just think it's good for us to slow down here before we move on. That first command to, to that church is to wake up, to be alert, to be aware of what's going on in our hearts, to be aware of what's going on in our church, to be aware of where God is at work, if we're there with him. He calls that church to wake up, and he goes on. If you look in verse 2, the second command he gives is this. He says, strengthen what remains, right? So wake up and then strengthen what remains. So when I read this part, right, I see a little bit of hope, 
right? So we're dead, but there's something that's alive here. He's saying there's something that's good here. He's saying it's not all lost. There's something good. Build on it. Focus on it. Fan the flame of that good thing. Forget the other things. Focus on the good thing, and let's build on that. Don't let this last bit of goodness be snuffed out. Don't let this last bit of thing that's holding on here go away. Get rid of the other stuff and focus on that. Right? We just sort of hopefully took a little bit of an inventory, tried to wake up a little bit about what's going on in our lives, and probably, hopefully we were honest with ourselves, and, and we were able to, to think of some things, and I think if we're honest, the Holy Spirit will draw up some things in us that lets us know, you know what, this might not be best, this is best. The thing that the Holy Spirit maybe revealed to us just now that's not best, let's forget it. And the thing that is good, let's latch on to this and allow God to strengthen that and to build on that and to grow that in our hearts and in our lives, right? Let's get rid of the things that aren't bringing him honor and glory and let's lock into the things that are and fan them into flame. Let's strengthen the good things that are there in our lives. The next command is this, right? Remember what you've heard and received. Remember, it's in verse three. Remembering can be tough, right? My wife says that I very rarely remember what she tells me to do. And I honestly very rarely remember that she's even told me to do something. So she's, uh, she's right. A lot of times I forget things. I, I don't remember. I don't lock in. But this command from Christ here is very, very important for us. We've got to remember, right? Remember here is in the present imperative tense. Where are my English majors? What does that mean? Present imperative tense. You got it? English major? Good. Hey, that, that's continual action. Right? This is not a one-time remembering thing. This is a continuing to remember thing. When I was in school, I would remember stuff for a test, take the test and forget it. Right? That's not what we're talking about here. It's not remembering a phone number, jotting it down real quick, and then letting it go out of our minds. This is continual remembrance. Remembering over and over and over and remembering what? What we've received and heard. What had this church received and heard? The gospel. And it heard the gospel from the apostles. This church is planted. This church heard the gospel. The call here is for the church to remember continually the gospel and the work of the gospel and the words of the Lord over and over and over again in the church. Right? To remember the teachings of the gospel. Listen, this church had access to the truth. This church heard the truth. This church knew the gospel well enough to remember it, lock in, and be faithful to live according to it. And guess what? We do too. Right? We've got access to the gospel. Does everybody here have a Bible? Does everybody own a Bible? Right? Does everybody have the Bible on their phone? Right? Does everybody have the Bible on their computer? Listen, I've probably got a hundred books explaining what the Bible means on just on this phone right here. Right? We have access to God's word unlike any other group of people in the history of the world. Right? We've got access to God's word all over the place. As we look at the command to the church in Sardis and think about how it applies to us, we've got to remember the word of God. We've got to remember the gospel. We've got to lock into it over and over and over again, leaving it in our minds, talking about it with one another, letting it be in the front of our hearts, in the front of our minds, and letting it drive and be all that we do. Right? It's all about 
the gospel. Listen, we passed out those, um, those flourish books the last couple of Sunday mornings. This past Sunday in the note-taking section, there's a plan to read through God's word for the, the rest of the month. Our kids' ministry did a great job nailing that home in the hearts and the minds of our kids. So I put my five-year-old to bed last night, and I had already put down my seven-year-old, and I walked past by his room, and, and the lamp was on. I walked in, and he had his Bible that the church gave him, his first-grade Bible, and he was sitting there with it out with the light on, and I wanted to be mad because he was supposed to be asleep, but I couldn't be mad because he had his Bible out. I was like, what are you doing, dude? And he goes, I'm reading Acts 3. I was supposed to read it this morning, but I forgot. But I wanted to make sure that I read my Bible tonight. Listen, he was locking into the Word of God. Guys, we've got to do that, right? Not just little kids, all of us, right? We've got to lock into God's Word on a regular basis, consistently pouring his truth into our hearts. We, we can't let it go. And there's so many different ways that we can do it. We started a small group in our home this past year, and we've got several different people from, from all over the place that are in this group. And one of the things that we sort of noticed was that not everybody was on a, a continual Bible reading plan track. And so we did this 100-day Bible reading plan. We set it up in version, the Bible app. If you've never done that, Get friends and family, join in with you. And it was incredible to see this group of people read through the Bible together for 100 days. Because when we met together, what did we talk about? We didn't talk about the Astros, right? We didn't talk about the weather. We didn't talk about that. We, we talked about the Bible. We talked about the different things that, that we had read. It was an incredible experience locking in to the word of God. So as Jesus speaks to the church there, as we read it and think about our church here, we've got to remember the gospel. Remember the word of God on an ongoing basis. We've got to be in it. Then remember, there's two more commands here that he gives the church. And remember, these are commands he's giving to the church to bring it back to life. The church has taken its eye off the ball. He's saying, do these things to get back in fellowship, to get that, that life back. The next command, it's also in verse 3. It's keep it, right? Remember and then keep up with it, right? Keep up with what? The word of God. So it's not enough just to know it. We've got to actually, got to do it. When we read God's word, we've got to do what it says. When we read God's word, we don't read it and shut our Bibles and move on with today. We've got to let God's word affect our hearts and, and affect our lives. What does James say? If you look at it and then you close it and walk away, you're, you're, you're deceiving yourself. Right? We've got to look into the word of God and be willing to do what the word of God says. I don't think he's here tonight, so I can say this with hopefully not embarrassing him. Y'all know Jonathan Fleming, right? Okay, so if I was to pull Jonathan Fleming up here right next to me, <clears throat> I would basically say this. Listen, Jonathan Fleming and I, we know all of the same things when it comes to being fit and staying in shape. Okay, we know all the same thing. I'm older, so I probably know more things about being fit and staying in shape. But one of us is fit and in shape and ran 10 miles last Saturday. Who do you think it was? I don't appreciate the laughter. Is it because my jacket doesn't button well? Listen, Jonathan, not me. It's not because he knows more. It's because he does it. Right? He lives it out. Right? He does what he knows he's supposed to do to maintain that, that level of health. And, and quite frankly, I, I don't, but I should. There's a lot of people that know a lot about God's word that don't do what it says. Right? There's a lot of people that, that know God's word but that aren't living God's word. Right, that, that was going on here in this church. So that, that's the reminder. Do it. Right, let's do what, what it says. And if you're thinking, listen, it's a big book. There's a lot of verses. 31,000, I think, verses in God's word or a little bit more than that. I, I can't possibly remember all of that. 
Well, just start with what you know. Right? Just start, start with what you know and build on it. We know that, that God's word says, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law and the prophets can build off of those. Just start with what you know. Right? We know the great commission that we're called to go and make disciples. Let's just start with those three things. Right? Well, let's do what, what God's told us to do. Let's love him with all that we've got. Let's love the people that he's placed in our lives. And let's tell more people how much God loves them so that they'll love God and love their neighbor as well. We've got to do what God's word says. And that last command that we see to the church here is this. It's so important. He calls that church to repent. He calls that church to a place of repentance. That church wasn't alive. That church was dead. And he calls them to repent. If repent is a new word for you, if you're not quite sure exactly what it means, it, when you sort of translate that and bring it forward, it means to have a change of mind and a change of heart that abandons former dispositions and results in a new self. Right? It's to abandon the old. It's to abandon the things that are taking us away from Christ and to turn our direction, to turn our heart, turn our attention on him and to pursue him and him alone. And when I read that, in the context of this passage, when I read that to a church that was called dead, man, I see God's grace on full display in a big, big way. He doesn't write the church off. He doesn't give up on that church. He gives that, chance, that church the chance to get their hearts right, to turn from sin, to turn from laziness, to turn from being just fat and comfortable and not focused on the right things and to get their act and their heart together to focus on the things that he's called us to focus on. He calls that church to change courses. It's got to change course because as we see in, in that passage there, Jesus is coming. I love this verse in Isaiah 26, uh, chapter 26, verse 8, where it just says, Your name and remembrance, your name and renown, your name and your glory, O God, are the desires of our soul. We see in Scripture here, Jesus knows the heart of the church. We see Jesus doesn't ignore the heart of the church. Rather, Jesus speaks truth into the heart of the church. He, he speaks commands into the heart of the church to, to grab the heart of that church and to bring it back to himself. He, he doesn't give up, right? He speaks into it, and he doesn't leave out those that have been faithful. Let's keep reading down in verse 4. He continues and says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not yet soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are Worthy. So listen, in, in this passage right here, we see Jesus celebrates the faithful. Jesus acknowledges what they were doing. He acknowledges that they were living right, that they were doing right. It might have seemed like everyone in that church was spiritually dead, but that's not the case, right? There are faithful people in that church who are doing what God had called them to do, being obedient to him day in and day out. And here Jesus recognizes that. He encourages them. He speaks into their life and reminds them of all of the good things that they are because of them. James said it earlier. It's not because of what they've done. It's because of what Christ did in their life to allow them to walk with him. These people are dressed in white. Right? It's imagery that we find throughout scripture that signifies, that points us to the righteousness of God, their reputation because of what Jesus had done in their life is one of purity, it's one of obedience, it's one of faithfulness to the word of God, to the call of Christ in our lives. We know in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 that Paul encourages all of us to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and they're continue or they're encouraged as well to do that here. And we continue into verse five. It says, "The one who is victorious will be dressed in white, and I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. But I will acknowledge that name before my Father and His angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches." The one who is victorious. You just read it in those verses. It's representative of believers, right? It's representative of Christians. So we're reminded again, we're not, we're not working towards a victory. Jesus Christ has won the victory. And in him, we are, we're operating, we're moving, and all these things from that position of victory. And there's two incredible promises that we see in that passage right there at the end. We see the, the book of life mentioned. Incredible thing. The book of of life, where Jesus says believers' names will never be removed from it. They're solid. They're in the book of life. Ancient Jewish families would have kept a very detailed record of their family, right? They would record births. They would record the lineage of their family so they could know exactly who was in and who was supposed to be a part of the family, right? We see that same thing going on here with the book of life, where the names of the believers, the names of people who have trusted in Jesus Christ and been made new because of what Christ has done are in the book of life. They're in the family of God because of what Jesus has done in our life. And then we see that, that Jesus is going to acknowledge those believers, us, if we placed our faith and trust in him. He's going to acknowledge us before his Father in heaven. And as I was reading this passage this week and studying it and thinking about it, this picture that I have of heaven is angels and it's believers. And we see it in Revelation. We've looked at it before. We'll look at it again of, of people being around the throne from every tribe, tongue, and nation doing what? Worshiping God, right? Worshiping Jesus up in heaven. This picture that we sort of have here is Jesus, right? There's going to be times where he acknowledges us, the worship, right? It's all coming to him. He stops and he says, listen, this person was faithful in their love relationship with me. This person pursued me. He's going to acknowledge the names of his family before the Father in heaven. And when I think about that, I'm just amazed at the goodness of God, that God would do that for those who he's drawn to himself. So this letter to this church, there's a lot of honesty in it. There's a lot of of hard truths, hard conversation in it, but it's such a beautiful picture of the love that Christ has for each and every one of us, for the love that, that Christ had for the church. And my hope and my prayers is, is that as we read it, as we think about it, that we take its message to heart. Right? There's those three things. Jesus knows our hearts. He knows if we look good on the outside, we're dead on the inside. He knows if we run ragged on the outside, but that we're alive on the inside. Listen, Jesus knows what's in there. So as we wrap it up, I just want to encourage you with this. Be honest about the condition of your heart. Don't fake it. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to convince anybody. You be honest with your heart before the Father. And if you're thinking tonight, you know what? My heart's not focused on the things it needs to be focused on. And then tonight, and we, we've got that passage and those five things that, that Jesus outlined right there. And tonight, just get real before God. Don't hide it. Don't run from it. We know that he knows our hearts. We know that he knows what's going on. And allow God to, to work in you. Allow God to work in us, to, to bring our hearts back to him, to do 
what he's called us to do because Jesus knows our hearts. He speaks to the condition of our hearts. He doesn't want our hearts to stay far away. He wants to draw us close and he gives us the path to do that. So lock into his word and respond to what he's called us to do. And remember, he's called us to be faithful. He's called us to be faithful. So let's live lives to please him and no one else. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.